Hello and welcome to another episode of Talking Bollocks. That's right, your favourite heavy metal podcast. With me, your favourite annoying host, Howard H. Smith. You may know me as lead singer in UK thrash band Acid Rain. I also host the official Motorhead podcast, The Motorcast. I also am involved in a podcast called The Reducer. New episode out now. Um, and I does this here podcast, I do stand-up, it's it, it's all happening. I mean, this is the intro, isn't it? If you're a regular, you know this. If you're not, you don't. This is how the show always starts. It's that simple. And usually, the way it normally starts is at some point I say, and what's been happening in the world of metal since last we spoke? And it is that time because I just said it. Um, first up... Well, the major news, um, Blabbermouth has had a bit of a facelift. They've had a little bit of a redesign. <laughs> um, that's the major news in the world of heavy metal at the moment. It's not, of course, it's not. Um, but neither is Breaking in a Sequence featuring former corn drummer David Silveria. Leave, leave Me Be music video available now. You see... Yeah, that's not the major news, is it? I mean, it's just not. Uh, Good for him, still going, great drummer, but whatever. So I don't know why I even mentioned that, to be honest. I really don't. I think it's because it was the... um, um, Because I I keep an eye, you know, I sort of save links as they appear and stories catch my imagination or think, you know, this is interesting. And and I just store them away between podcasts. Um, And then I'll, you know come and pop all of the uh, the windows up and um the the main story on blabbermouth at the moment well when i went to do this was that you know ex corn drummers band breaking in sequence is is you know is releasing and yeah whatever anyway brilliant awesome starts the podcast right this is what you tuned in for isn't it hey tuned in hey tuned in like it's a fucking radio how old am i Anyway, let's crack on. Let's get stuck in with more news that isn't about Blabbermouth or the old drummer from Corn. So, well, actually, I found myself um, having a little bit of a wander around um, Blabbermouth with the redesign, which is, you know, obviously what is intended. And having a look at the, you know, few stories and, oh, you know, various musicians weighing in on... Um, what Elon Musk could have spent the money on instead of Twitter, you know, and yeah, oh God, if I read another comment, oh, he could have solved world hunger instead of buying Twitter. No, no, he couldn't. Um, no individual can do that because basically it's government's jobs. And there you go. Anyway, fuck it. Total tangent there. Um, what I also found, and this is a bit of a tangent because it's not news, it's a review. And, you know, Blabbermouth aren't great at reviews. Um, they sort of come and go here and there. But um, I found an interview, uh, interview, I found a review of Zeist, the upcoming um, Rammstein album. And I wasn't that impressed with the last Rammstein album, I must admit. And I'm a big fan. Um, but this has given me, this has given me cause for um, optimism because it comes in at seven and a half and says it's pretty good. Okay, there we go. Fucking hell. Anyway, now, this is the kind of news story that when you read it, you just go, 
What the fuck? One killed, four injured, in shooting during death metal concert in San Bernardino. Um, this happened on, or well, here we go. According to NBC, NBC Los Angeles, one person was killed and four others were injured in a shooting late Saturday night, April the 23rd, during a death metal concert uh, at a bar in San Bernardino, California. Shooting took place around 9.30pm on Saturday outside the Marquee Lounge, reported, reportedly whilst Los Angeles death metal act Crawling Through Tataris was performing. The band's vocalist, Matt, uh, Matt Hulsberg, was allegedly hit by two rounds and has subsequently underwent surgery. CBS Los Angeles uh, reported 32-year-old James Vincent Dixon was pronounced dead at the scene. Police said all of the four victims listed were in stable condition on Monday. The investigation into the shooting remains under investigation and no suspect or motive um, uh, or information was available. Um, and yes, I did read that re- correctly. The investigation, the investigation into the shooting remains under investigation. So I think they're saying the shooting remains under investigation and not the investigation into the investigation about the shooting remains under investigation. Right. Anyway, um, as somebody who lives in the UK where guns are not legal, and and I would imagine unless you're listening to this in North America, then guns are not legal where you are. Hence, you don't have regular shootings like this. Not that it's to do with the uh, easily, (laughs) easily, uh, uh, easy access to guns. Oh, no, apparently that's nothing to do with it. Apparently guns being legal have nothing to do with the fact that the US has this massive gun problem it's not it's not because guns are leaked the fact that it is massively massively way ahead by thousands of percent of every other country with gun deaths where guns are illegal no it's definitely it's not down to guns being legal but anyway um that, i mean just reading that story it's it's fucking ridiculous isn't it and i don't know about you but when i'm when i'm reading that story i'm thinking about being in the audience Never mind being on stage, being in the audience, and like you know, the um, the uh, uh, the 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 singer catching two rounds. It sounds so casual. The band's vocalist Matt Hulsberg was allegedly hit by two rounds and subsequently underwent surgery. It sounds just so every day. Oh, you know, he got a cold and then he stayed in, wrapped up warm, and he was fine again. He got hit by a couple of bullets, went to surgery. He's okay now. I mean, what the fuck? The, the absolute terror that audience and band must have been feeling during this incident is it just does my absolute head in. Um, and you know what? I think I'm going to... I Hey, here, here are things forming as and when they happen in my brain. I am going to do my best to try and get hold of Matt Holzberg um, and find out how he is and see if he... Um, See if he wants to come on the podcast and have a chat. Poor bastard, that is not fun. Anyway, cut. Right, yeah. Let's um, let's crack on. Let's let's find let's find something a little bit more light-hearted. Well, it's not light-hearted, but do you know what? This is fucking awesome. Dio's Holy Diver certified double platinum in the U.S. How fucking cool is that? Oh man, I that. That really does just make me smile all these years later. Ronnie gone over a decade, but 
That is fucking awesome. And what an album. What an album. Very close to my heart, those first two Dio records. And to a certain extent, Sacred Heart as well. Um, But mainly Holy Diver and The Last in Line, which were just fucking awesome at the time. They really were. And still stand up today. Um, And here's... (laughs) I didn't mean to do this, but here's something that doesn't stand up today. Ex-Iron Maiden singer Paul Diano. I'm sorry... I am really sorry. Um, that literally just happened. That that happened as you heard it. Yes, I went into the story from how Dio Holy Diver still stands up today and into a story about Paul Diano um, being fitted for a custom leg, break, uh, leg brace um, after knee surgery, meaning he currently can't stand up. Yeah, I know. I, it, it's very, very poor taste on my part. But former Iron Maiden uh, frontman Paul Diano has been receiving... Um, oh, right, OK, I'm not going to read this, actually, because that is actually pretty fucking gross. But let's just say... <laughs> he's been in Croatia for, um, uh, for five months and is looking at getting better. So let's hope the old... Uh, Paul Diano is back on stage at some point with some band somewhere, sometime. Um, This I really liked. Ex-Skid Row singer Tony Harnell praises band's new vocalist, Eric Gronwall. I'm impressed. And I just think, that's really fucking cool. You know? That is really fucking cool. Um, Invariably, you know what it's like. It's just like people just fucking throw shit at each other isn't it um and not in this case not in this case at all it's all you know it's all gone very well they're all you know they're they're all very very um cool about it i mean you know apart from seb back obviously um but um yeah getting down to it um he basically says it's really cool um and a good and a smart and innovative idea getting this guy in because um, he uh, basically he auditioned for um, Swedish Idol back in 2009. Bloody hell. I didn't realise all of this. Um, well, there you go. But it, it's just really cool to hear, especially when it comes to vocalists, me being one of them. Hello. Um, yeah, you know, just being just being really cool. Um, and also having the, the good grace to say himself that, um, his drinking was partly responsible for him quitting Skid Row and explaining that he was um, that he was basically really dumb and very unprofessional thing to do. And wow, you know that's that's just fucking class. That's fucking. I like Tony Harnell. I really do. Next up, Billy Howdrell. Well, that's a name that some of you might know and some of you may not know. But Billy Howdrell is um, or Billy. Howardell, or there's all sorts of pronunciations. But anyway, he is the main dude in a perfect circle along with Maynard, and he's now decided to come out um, and release a solo album, and it's going to be called and it's going to be called What Normal Was. Now, the reason I mention this, obviously, I I do like um, Perfect Circle. Um, I do like Tool, and I I'm I'm sure I'll have mentioned. Um, Billy Howdrell's um, band that he he did before. I must have mentioned it loads of times, but it's got they they were called Ashes Divide, right? And the album is called Keep Telling Yourself 
you're all right or something like that I, I, I'm genuinely um it is definitely called that <laughs> Uh, and it's a great album if you can track it down online or anything like that seriously give it a spin if you like if you like sort of tooly perfect circly kind of things um it really really is worth getting into if you can get a copy of it ashes divide honestly great great album um and next up this is a bit of a strange one well next up i watched i watched my mate's dark angel um uh, uh, play a show in um, in Houston, which was awesome. But more importantly, my final story here is a story about one of our our gods, our metal gods, metal gods. It is. <laughs> I'm just in a fucking mood today. Um, this is about Ozzy, um, and basically moving back to the UK. Um, and there's there was a number of things that sort of draw my drew my drew my attention to this article. First up is obviously you know, um, well it's the headline because I'd seen I heard Sharon you know mouthing off that they were come back to the UK, but then I heard read this Ozzy Osbourne reportedly applies for rehab wing at UK mansion, and I thought what's going on here? So I read said well Ozzy Osbourne who revealed two years ago he's battling Parkinson's disease has applied for permission for a rehabilitation wing. Uh, his historical grade two listed at home in Buckinghamshire, England. The extension will feature an abundance of stopping and sitting spaces, discreet grab rails and aids, and soft non-slip surfaces, as well as a self-contained nurse's flat. There is also a pool house orangery garden room, health and welfare exercise studio. Now, I don't know about you guys, but as I read that, I was thinking, right, Okay, what really jumps out there is an abundance of stopping and sitting spaces, discreet grab rails and aids, a non-slip surface. Anyone think the Aussie and Judas Priest story is actually going to happen? Really? And and just I, that wasn't my first thought. Okay, I I have no skin in that game. I don't have tickets to go see the tour or anything like that. Um, but you read that and you just think that is. That's some serious stuff he's having done there. And it's, like I said, it's clearly, um, you know, a man who's struggling to stay on his feet and uh, struggling with balance. And, you know, Parkinson's will do that. So, I, I mean, I just can't imagine. I can't imagine Ozzy being in a, in a position to, 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 to play a gig anytime soon. Um, and I kind of hope he doesn't, but... Let's let's wait and see. But the story continues. Um, and I mentioned last month reported Ozzy uh, and his wife Sharon were leaving Los Angeles and returning to their native UK to due to rising taxes in California. Um, the 73 year old Sabbath front man and his wife um, spend uh, are going to be spending mo- most of their time at their welder's house. We're leaving L.A., he said, according to Mira. We're a bit we're, we're a bit sad, but the tax is getting too much. Um, I am sad because I really like staying and living there. Um, he added, if they do the taxes better, I may come back. I don't know. I'm, uh, I am taking my uh, recording studio with me. I'm going to build a barn there and make my own studio at Welders. I will still be making music and my band will still come over. And that's great. I just I just don't see gigs happening. I really don't. But hey, that, you know, I haven't got any inside information. But what the fuck would I know? But again, reading that, I just kind of thought, and and maybe it's because 
maybe it's because I'm not a Londoner. Um, sorry, I don't know why I was going to burst into song there. God, I spend a lot of time apologising for myself on this, haven't I? Um, what really jumped out to me was, we are a bit sad, but the tax is getting too much. I am sad because I really, really like staying and living there. If they do the taxes better than I may come back, I don't know. I mean, I'm reading this and I'm thinking, we are a bit sad, but tax is getting too much. I am sad because I really, really like staying and living there. You're 73. Yeah? Pay the tax and stay in LA. I mean, if that's what you really want at 73, then just do it. Don't be... I mean... How much money do you need? How much tax do you need to save? How much longer are you going to be on the planet to spend all of your money? Do make life choices that make sense, not that make financial sense, that make life sense. God, check me out. I'm giving giving fucking life advice to Ozzy Osbourne. Completely unwanted, unasked for, and will be unheard, I'm sure. But this is like... God, if, if, this is like, my, my dad died when he was 73, okay? That's as far as he made it. This is Ozzy Osbourne, who's done every drink and drug under the sun, still going. Dude, stay in LA. Spend your money. Why are you coming back? Honestly, I. It, it's just, that's, it, surely it's a, you know, it's a time of, maybe there is other things, you know, at work here. And may, maybe that was just, you know, I don't know. I don't know. All I'm saying is, if I've got Aussie's kind of money and I'm 73 and living in LA and I really like it there, then I'm staying there and I'm not moving back to sodding, fucking, soaking, piss-wet, fucking cold England. Certainly not at 73. And do you know what? If the taxes go up, I'm just going to go, well, do you know, I'm just going to have to fucking pay them, aren't I? But do you know what? I've got the money to do it. So why not? Anyway, that's that's enough life advice pension advice, quality of life, and tax advice for Ozzy Osbourne 4-1 podcast. Now it is time for the interview. Um, And we have Ryan Shift of Cryptic Shift. Now, Cryptic Shift, um, they're a strange one. They are a UK, well, you know, I'd say thrash band, but you're going to hear more. This is part of the interview about where Cryptic Shift... um, live they are um they're from yorkshire get in they've played with acid rain a number of times get in and ryan very kindly got in touch um and booked us for the um leeds boom show uh that was on our last date uh, our last tour that we did so um saw him very recently and said hey fancy coming on the uh, on the podcast and he said yes now i say that cryptic shifter a strange one um, they put their their debut album out, Visitations from uh, Enceladus. I think that's... I, he's going to say it later, so, you know, I, I'm fucking this up now. But that came out on um, Blood, Blood Harvest Records, and it drew the attention of Metal Blade. And Metal Blade have now um, picked up Cryptic Shift for their next album. And that is... A brilliant story. I mean, Metal Blade, UK band designing the Metal Blade back in the day. God, it, that just never happened. So anyway, um, I had a bit of a chat with Ryan. We asked, you know, we chatted about all about the band, about um, about the scene, about 
where they are and also about how they ended up being on Metal Blade. And here we are, having that very chat. Hey. Hello there, man. How's it going? Uh, not bad, how's you? Yeah, not bad at all. Cool, man, cool. So, um, yeah, what have you been up to since I saw you last? It's um, That seems like so long ago now. Uh, not too much, to be honest. I think um, things got quiet again with COVID. Yeah. Over, like, when was it? you played in September, right? Yeah. Yeah, so just kind of been busy. With Cryptic Shift, we played Damnation Festival, and that was awesome. Yeah, that's that's pretty damn cool. Managing to play a playing a, a festival in your in your hometown, like in the middle, hey, of, especially in the middle of a pandemic as well. Yeah, we've been the we've been the last one in Leeds as well. Yeah, it's going over to Manchester. It's isn't it? now. Yeah, typical. We uh, we we grow we grow it in Leeds, and then it goes to Manchester and gets, <laughs> gets commercialised to fuck. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's it is what it is. If that's what they need to do to make it bigger, like yeah, yeah. respect to them. Well, yeah, and look, you know, it's got to progress, hasn't it? I mean, look at Bloodstock. It, you know, it started out at Derby Assembly Rooms. It's uh, and and you know now it's huge. You've you got to you've got to head Absolutely. somewhere. Absolutely, you've got to head somewhere. So how's um uh, how's Boom holding up through all of this? Yeah, it's not too bad, thankfully. Um, a lot better than we were this time last year yeah but um, I guess now it's waiting around for international bands to be able to come over yeah that's going to be um, that's going to be interesting yeah. to see when that actually happens oh for sure for sure yeah it's just a completely different market really so yeah it is and the thing is for them as well it's uh, it's much more of a risk so they've they've really got a they they've really got to figure out you know what they're going to do whether they whether they're going to come over or not. For sure. Yeah. So anyway, look. Um, first of all, thanks for uh, thanks for an awesome show in September. Just yeah, couldn't believe it. It was ju- it really was like the old days. Um, hey, and, cheers. And seeing a lot of old faces there and just the whole vibe. It really was. It was kind of old school. Leeds Duchess of York vibe which uh, yeah it was amazing man it was like being 16 again that's sweet man that's, that's good to hear oh, honestly and everybody I know who's there has, has said the same thing um, but our paths originally crossed quite a few years back now didn't they Weren't you, you, yeah that's you, right you opened for us in um, oh a Rebellion wasn't it I think yeah we played Rebellion with you guys Maybe twice now. Yeah. Because I know one time we played the Brudenell as well. It was like a weekend kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. First time was, I think, was 2017 um, at the Rebellion. Um, and then uh, I think you played with us there again. And then, yeah, and then Brudenell. And um, and we never really got a chance to even kind of say hello from what my, my memories are. No, of course, man. You were probably too busy being rockstar backstage and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, which which I'm well known for. Yeah, uh, <laughs> um, but um, you guys have uh, like you know 
come from nowhere with a um, you know signing to Metal Blade, which you've you know I know we talked about that briefly back in September, but um, just you know just remind me how all of that happened. It did sound like I don't know, man. I think people always expect more of a story, but like one day I was just out and got an email, and it was from one of the European reps from Metal Blade, been like. Are you interested in working with us? And it's like, um, let, let, let me speak to the others first, <laughs> you know? Like, um, and yeah, we just got talking from there. Um, I think things worked out pretty good, to be honest. Like, really smooth as well, which is awesome, because going into it, we didn't really know what to expect. Yeah, I mean, the thing, um, the thing with Metal Blade is, you look at bands on Metal Blade, and once they sign for Metal Blade, they tend to, like... If they can, they tend to stay forever. So there Absolutely. must there must be something good going on there. Absolutely, I mean that's that's one of the best things, really. Um, signing with a label that you can kind of trust. You know, I've never really heard anything bad about Metal Blade. I know there's some older labels that I'm not going to bother naming that I've heard some really horror stories from from certain bands, but it's never really been anything with Metal Blade, to be honest. So. That's, that's a really nice touch. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Brian has been around, you know, for ages, and he's and he's and he's like really visible as well, um, and you know, and out there doing doing interviews, and clearly a huge music fan himself. And um, and I think kind of you know his ethos is what that label is built on, which is just look, you know, let's do the right thing by everybody, and that way there's never any problems. Absolutely. And uh, so, so what what stage are you at with them yet? Because presumably, was it you know did they just offer to, offer to distribute what you already had out, or they wanted you to get new product, you know, get you in the studio ASAP? Um, basically, the 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 latter. They're more focused on new stuff. They don't have any interest in the older stuff, which is fair enough because I suppose when you're working with labels, they want to maintain as many rights as possible and all that kind of stuff. Um, especially when they're investing, you know, uh, money to help you out with stuff. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we're just in the process of writing a, a new record and stuff like that, which is kind of going all right. It's going steady away, but there's some, there's some level of like kind of pressure. <laughs> it's yeah. not that, it's not that like, we don't believe that we're, worrying about our kind of thing it's kind of more just making sure that the album is a hundred percent what we want it to be rather than you know letting things maybe slide at like 95 percent or something like that yeah this would have been the first you know, major album on metal blade and stuff yeah no I, I absolutely get that but you know how it goes mate you know you'll think you're 100 percent happy with it and then the following day after you've said yes you'll be down to 95 percent um, oh, absolutely. You know, you hear the mastering, and that might take it up a few percent. But then, do you know what? By it's been out, and you've played the songs a bit, you're down to eighty-five percent, maybe eighty <laughs> percent. <laughs> and then it's totally. all about it's totally. all about you know what you're going to do next time. Um, but I, I look, I I understand that because of that, I mean, have you? Have you sort of signed a deal? Have they given you a budget to, you know, to work with, etc.? Or are you just producing, you know, just going to deliver the album finished? Um, 
short. We we got a we got a budget and stuff like that. They're going to help us out with uh, recording and even stuff like artwork and music video and stuff like that, which is is nice because obviously before that, being a completely independent band and having to finance everything ourselves, you yeah. know, that can be kind of restrictive because everyone's obviously got their own life going on and stuff like that and bills to pay and stuff. But now when there's an outside influence financially, that's that's a real good benefit because it kind of like opens up the possibilities. Like beforehand, we always worked with the same recording engineer and stuff. Obviously yeah. because we liked the guy and his work, but because, you know, um, he was a friend of ours and it was comfortable and we'd be able to get a quality recording. But now it's, we you know, thinking, where do we go to record this album? We could go anywhere or we could work with anyone, you know, within within good enough reason. So like we're going to be working with Bob Rock, for instance. I don't think that's going to happen for the next <laughs> shift album. But. I, hope, <laughs> but, um, I, hope not, I hope not, mate, because it'll sound like a piece of shit, but, you know, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we'll get him on bass as well. Like, say goodbye to John for a few years. Yeah, yeah, and go do it, and don't go, go do make, make your first gig off the back of a truck outside of a prison. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, no, it's 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 nice just having options, I suppose. And yeah, sure, because everything's so new to us. Obviously, all these bands that have worked with bigger labels and stuff like that, especially bands that have been on Metal Blade for a while, probably know the drill and know how it kind of goes every album cycle. But for us, it's all kind of new and stuff. So yeah. that's exciting, you know? Yeah, sure. And, and you know, I can understand the sort of, I can understand that pressure and that, you know, kind of like that it brings to the songwriting. But you've also got to remember that, like, you know, they've signed you on the basis of what you've done up to now. So you oh, know, for sure. the, the next logical step is is what they're interested in and that's and that's what you would have made whether they'd been around or not um but it it does add a different dynamic to it for sure but um also it's going to be interesting when it comes to recording as well because presumably like you know you've worked with somebody like you said it was your mate you all felt comfortable with and you know anybody who comes in to work on the next album is clearly going to be looking to to sort of you know drive you on and you might be in a situation where you're recording with somebody who's telling you do you know what you need to do that again and you need to do it again and again and again and that is when you know the 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 feeling of inverted commas working for a label can really sort of hit absolutely you know absolutely and it's it uh, but by the same token i think it's like it, it it depends you know the decision you make on who you're going to work with um is largely all about and it's got to be about like you know you like what they've done you like the sonics they've done but also like speak to some of those bands and find out what they like to work with and if you get a good vibe off that person because it doesn't matter how good somebody is supposed to be in the industry if you don't get a good vibe with them then you're fucked oh absolutely yeah that's another thing to kind of be careful with as well because um like you said, there's obviously a lot of people that are out there that might not be as good as they think because, you know, they've got like such a reputation from producing certain albums, but like you said, they might be not the best to work with and stuff. So, yeah, but I guess that goes for all sorts, like, you know, booking agencies and all that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because everybody's got their own agenda, ultimately. Um, and also, if you've got a if you've got a producer working, you know, working on an album and they know it's for a label that has a lot of bands they're you know, they, they, they want to kind of, you know, they want to use it as a showcase for themselves as well. It's like, you know, it, it does, it, it brings some interesting factors into play, but have you got anybody, have you got people in mind that you, that you want to work with on the album? Um, not directly. I know there's a, there's a producer in America called Zeus. <laughs> ah, yeah. He's done a lot of like modern metal stuff. Um, especially the Revocation albums. Yeah. And I know that we're really into that sound, but again, he's based in the States, so... Yeah. And in an ideal world, we'd record with the engineer rather than send recordings over and have yeah. to, you know, try and direct the mix and all this kind of stuff over email or whatever. Yeah. You know, so whether or not it'll be too much of an expense to fly out to America and all this kind of stuff and record out there. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's but, it's 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 going to be an interesting one, that's for sure, but presumably that's like, you know, for, for further down the line you're just writing at the moment. Right, yeah, for sure. And then like I said before, right now it's just for making sure that the the songs are as good as they, as they can be, I suppose. Right. So would you are you are you as are you as far ahead as sort of you've got your finished songs and you're just kind of sort of tweaking them now and it's more sort of pre-production or are you, is it still sort of early days putting those together? It's still sort of early days um, because of the nature of the songs being so long. Um, we're kind of taking it one at a time. So we've got a song at the moment that's, you know, we can get from start to finish, but there's still parts that need solidifying and 100% working out and transitional stuff like that yeah. I guess that's what it is when writing like you know t like technical death thrash and stuff like that yeah yeah and yeah and no. and so what and you know how to write a long song I mean you know you're, you're really in the sort of vector territory for um for for length of tunes um absolutely what so what's it what's it looking like on the new album then <laughs> Um, the shortest song is probably going to be around eight minutes. Faster playing a twenty-five minute long song live can go. No, it's all good. We're, we're kind of just, you know, taking it right now. We're not working on the two longer songs. I think those ideas are still uh, coming along with Xander who writes most of the stuff. So right now we're just kind of, you know, um, taking it as it comes really and seeing how it comes along. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's kind of cool because uh, it's it's better to initially when we when we signed we were a bit worried that they'd expect us to really you know put us foot down and try and get an album out in like the next year or so but thankfully they you know been patient enough with us to be able to let us take us time with this stuff. That's that is really cool, but then again, I, I I suppose with the world being the way it is at the moment, there's there's not a massive rush because you know they can't really get you out on the back of it all over the place for a while yet. Hey, they'll even struggle to get vinyl in production at this rate, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you're right there on that. And that, but, the, but it's cool, like to ask them how how long can we take to write this and. 
the the response was basically like it's obviously not in everyone's best interest for it to take five years, but we're not going to say it needs to be done in you know the immediate future. So it's cool as long as we don't you know take forever. Well, and like you say, that is that is really cool, especially being your first you know your first deal and being able to just kind of take it at your leisure in you know when you when you're an independent band. Um, that's really cool for so you know for them to just say look you know however however long you need um because straight away you you don't need that you don't need that deadline you don't need that kind of like right now you now you work for us and we want a finished album in our hands by this day mm-hmm. you know you want you want to keep that spirit of independence because it keeps the pressure off the songwriting absolutely and especially with our material which you know does take that time to develop and we like to kind of go back and refine things and like you said maybe we'll lose 10% of certainty like in a couple of months time and then have to build it back up or whatever you know yeah yeah and um it's it's interesting your like you know the way you play because i think we 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 both sort of bonded over a love of atheist um, mm-hmm. uh, it, 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 when I saw you in September, um, I mean, eight, so obviously um, there's you know multiple influences um, on your on your music. Um, where did it? As you as a drummer, where did where did you you know your journey start coming towards this kind of music? Um, metal in general. I remember my uh, a relative passed me down Pantera, Vulgar Display of Power, and I remember listening to that for the first time, and that was like, because obviously I'm only 25, so when I was a kid, the radio music was still decent enough that I'd know what like rock music is and stuff like that. Bands like Green Day and Foo Fighters and stuff like that was on the radio, so hearing... Pantera for the first time was like a, everything, you know, the, the game fully cranked on everything and that was awesome. And uh, I used when I was growing up, I used to watch a lot of pro wrestling and stuff and just looking at the photos of Pantera on the Vulcan Display of Power al- uh, album like in the, I was like, these guys look like wrestlers, this is cool. <laughs> and then from then on, going back to the same relative and, you know, getting past our more music and thankfully... Kerrang! and Scuzz TV was around when I was a kid, so I could watch that and stuff like that, and I'd start reading Metal Hammer and all this kind of stuff. But for me as a drummer, I think when I found like Slayer and started to kind of understand the 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 style, you know, the beats in in, in that stuff, especially yeah. like the the Rain and Blood album, um, that that really. I don't know, blew my mind. Maybe because I wasn't good enough to kind of play guitar because I started out playing guitar. Play, I couldn't really play guitar that well, like to play Slayer stuff. But I could get my head around, you know, just hitting the drums really hard and fast. <laughs> fast enough to be able to like play along, play along to you know Angel of Death. I don't know how good it would sound if I went back and I watched myself play that stuff when I was. I don't know, thirteen years old, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? That's that is that's amazing because at the moment, um, with the uh, with the podcast Patreon, um, 
I, I do a, I, I do a sort of review of a, of a classic thrash album each month and um, literally I released it like a couple of days the latest one and it's Rain in Blood which awesome. which which for me is the greatest thrash metal of all album of all time it's my favorite thrash metal album of all time but also and this is this is my point given what you've just said for me it is one of the most influential metal albums of all time but it's the most influential thrash metal album of all time because it didn't just influence thrash it influenced other genres like came off that album for sure you know and then to hear that like all these years after it came out it's the album that had such a pivotal role in in you know your drumming that's yeah it's just that's the power of that album man for sure um i think that that still remains true like you said it's I, i i kind of agree that it's like the i've always said like slayer are the ultimate thrash evil band in my opinion slayer are the only band to do the whole satan gimmick without it being a gimmick like slayer are just literally evil straight from the depths of hell like you know (laughs) they turned they turned um satan into a brand for sure. Do, do you no. know what I mean? It's like it's like yeah, for sure. For every, sure. Everybody else, it was like you know, it was still like the little geezer with the point with, with the with the pointy horns. But with Slayer, it's just kind of like, nah. Do you know what? We're gonna we're just gonna we're gonna merch Satan out, and and it worked. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it without a doubt, such a pivotal band. Um, so where did so where did you go next? Once you were kind of like you know right, I think I might be able to I think I might be able to play pretty fast. Was it like right? I'm going to find more fast stuff, or what happened? Um, around that time, I was just kind of getting into thrash in general. Um, so you know, I remember one of the first bands I was ever in used to cover um, Seasons in the Abyss, for example. So I was always playing around with people who were into similar music. So it was just whether or not we were you know, capable enough to be able to play this stuff. I struggle still now to play some of the, like, Dark Angel material, for instance. So <laughs> that was kind of <laughs> off the books at this point. But um, that was kind of cool. Seeing a lot of bands around this time was kind of impressionable on me as well because this was, like, my first time. I remember the first thrash show I ever went to was creator at the Ritz with Evile and Zentrix on the Phantom Antichrist tour. Right. And that was, that was, that really like blew me away. I think I was like 16 at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, going to a show like, you know, without any parents or anything in another city and going to a thrash show and, you know, and the, the adrenaline of, you know, the, the, the pit and stuff like that was really good. That, that, that really um, stuck with me, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the kind of experience, and and funnily enough, it might have been years and years and years ago for me, but I I I absolutely remember that feeling, and there's something about that feeling of of being in a thrash band and go and then going to see thrash live. It's just kind of like a whole. You get a massive buzz for the gig, but you also get a massive buzz for. I want to do that even more now. For sure, for sure. Yeah. And, and and like now, I kind of feel like there's, I don't know if it's because I've 
you know, been going to shows for so long. Maybe I don't know how you feel because you've obviously been going for much longer than me. But um, that that there's only certain bands that really carry that that energy. And for me, it's one of the one of the main ones. Um, Exodus. Every time I see Exodus, no matter how old they are or how long they've been going out or who's playing with them, because I know not not always it's not always as, you know the same members, but. Yeah. Exodus every time completely blow me away and really rekindle that 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 feeling that you just spoke on that this is awesome you know yeah yeah I think and I think it's funny you should say that I think we all have that band we all have that for mm-hmm. me for me it was Slayer it was like there's that band that if they're coming to town you buy a ticket and it doesn't matter whether it's the fourth time they've been round in the last 18 months. It doesn't matter if the new album's good, bad or indifferent. It's like there's that band where they're coming to town, I get a ticket, end of. Did you go to Slayer's last tour? Well, of course you did. No, I did. I did. I went went to the mass funeral that was um, uh, Slayer at Wembley Arena, which was sold out. Um, right, I bet that was crazy. Uh, it, it was, man, but it was, it was, there was definitely, I mean, I went with my mate who I've seen Slayer with, you know, 15, 17, God knows how many times. And, and we absolutely loved it. But to think it was the, it was the last time that we were going to be stood there singing along to Skeletons of Society or singing along to, you know, um, South of Heaven or whatever. It was great fun, but there was like in the background just this feeling of I can't believe it's the last time we're going to do this. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it really, but... it really, really was the end of an era. And walking away from the show that 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 night, you know, there's there's there was just like nobody kind of sh- normally it's kind of raucous and people are shouting Slayer and there's a real buzz. But instead, it was like walking away from a mass funeral. It was just it was just really quiet. Um, right, that's, that's how I felt. Um, I saw him in Manchester, same tour. Yeah, and it was very similar. You know, uh, yeah, I'm, assu- I'm assuming he did this at almost every show. But when 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 the show was over and everyone kind of left the stage, other than Tom Araya, who kind of yeah. just looked out. Yeah, that that was that was a, definitely a moment. You know, it, it really was because um, uh, yeah, the house lights were on by then. And mm-hmm. and normally house lights on. The first thing you, you look at is like right, you know, to see who's leaving, see what how busy the exits are. And the house lights came on, and you kind of look around. No one's going ever, anywhere because this is the last chance that you're going to get to thank Tom Araya for the, all those years. Yeah, absolutely, man. And um, it was it was proper emotional, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And it made me kind of realise, like, Slayer, for me at least, one of, one of the first classic bands to go, like, say goodbye, we're done. Yeah. And it made me realise that, you know, in 10 years' time, I'm hopefully still around and Cryptic Shift is still going to be around, but whether or not all these old classic bands are still going to be around... Yeah. ...which takes up a, a majority of the, the big bands in the scene still... Yeah. So I'm like thinking, I wonder what's going to happen to the bands our age and what the scene's going to be like for us when all these big bands have gone and 
are we going to become the big bands or are we going to be restricted to remaining as a smaller kind of group you know yeah no look it's it's a it's it's a an interesting point because i mean you look at you look now and you think right okay well where's who's in tier two do you know what I mean? Who's looking to right. get who's looking to yeah. get promoted into the, you know, the big four or the big ten or whatever, you know, and not just thrash, but so you look at it and you think, well, I think kind of Parkway Drive, Mastodon, Machine Head, you know, right. the, these are bands that could uh, are kind of second tier headliners for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I mean, compared to, you know, bands that they would inverted commas be looking to replace at the moment they're nowhere near nowhere near and and the thing is without bands like Slayer to take Mastodon on tour and put them on them bigger stages yeah you know there's obviously a, you don't know if people are gonna you know check out these bands and stuff like that yeah yeah and um, and it's and it's noticeable as well that you know as as, as awesome as the second wave of Thrash is um the 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 kind of um pecking order still hasn't changed you've still got the big one metallica then like course, you know yeah. another three who are who've all platinum sold platinum but are are nowhere near, near near as big as metallica and then you've got and then you've got that gap again to testament exodus death angel etc and Right. That's, and that's the way it's always been. Do you know what I mean? I'm not. I'm not seeing. I'm not mm-hmm. seeing like all of a sudden, like you know, Testament aren't playing arenas all of a sudden. It it, it doesn't work like that. Well, I'd I'd argue that like Testament and Exodus and stuff like that are probably doing the the they're probably the bigger now than they've ever been really. Oh, I, without a doubt. Well, not 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 bigger than they've ever been because they did huge city hall tours yeah, back in the day. And also, you know, just from a just from a, a selling numbers worldwide, but they're still in it. You know, they're still in rude health. I mean, you know, Testament are a lot better off now than they were ten or twenty years ago. Um, For sure. But um, yeah, it's just that it's just that kind of is anyone going to come through? And and of course they're not because we're talking about like the biggest band metal's ever seen, and then kind of like you know three of their you know th- three of their sort of siblings um and everybody else is you know is kind of like down at that next level but it's just going to be interesting to see on the harder side of things how it all progresses mm-hmm. you know and and if bands like you know because the thing is i always think of mastodon as a, a harder edged band whereas now they're probably not quite as hard but it, it still kind of musically challenging but doesn't really kind of relate to thrash in any way Absolutely, you know, which, which they that's, did. That's a, Sorry, go on. go on. Well, I was just going to speak on that. What's interesting to me as well is that obviously there's the live music side of things, where when bands like you know all these bands retire and stuff, who's going to take that step? The same somewhat applies for labels as well, which is interesting Good because point. when all these big bands, obviously the bigger bands tend to be the ones I've been going for the longest and stuff. So when they stop producing new material, you know, obviously these labels still, the businesses, so obviously they rely on a lot of a lot of money to be made and stuff, to make it all work and stuff like that. And not to say that 
certain labels will rely on certain size bands to make so much money that no doubt gets filtered down to the smaller bands. I wonder how it'll be when, you know, I think it's just going to flip the industry on its head a little bit, you know. Yeah, you might you might be right. You might be right. It's going to be interesting to see because there does seem to be, though, there does seem to be enough bands coming through um, that are, you know, that are keeping the scene alive. Like your good selves, for instance. Um, I mean, you know, playing the kind of music that you do, it must have been, you know, was it was it difficult to get a start in the local area? Was there much of a scene that you could kind of latch on to? Or did you think, or was it a case of like, well, we're just going to do what we do and create our own scene? For us, I guess, um, originally we started playing just kind of around the, the, the nationwide thrash scene and stuff, you know, making friends with, with those bands and all that kind of stuff. But no one, every now and then there'd be a, opportunity to support uh you know bigger acts like themselves and pestilence sacred reich you know we supported and stuff early on and that was always cool but for the most part i think for for cryptic shift at least a lot of our audience is overseas a lot of our fan base is mainly in america to be honest right. which is cool yeah yeah but for the, but as, for the as for the uk I still think, even though we're, you know, we're Simon Metal Blade and, and stuff like that, and we, we, we make, you know, as albums well worldwide, I still think in the UK we're a little bit under the radar still, which is quite cool. Um, I, I, I think you're right, mate. I, I really do. I mean, it, and but I, but I get it as well um, because your music does sound. Um, I don't know. It. it it doesn't sound very sort of UK, if you know what I mean. Absolutely, no, I get that. You know, and I think. Go on. Yeah, the stuff, the stuff that you said, quite quite different to the other stuff that comes from here, and I think because there's such a a broader range of influences, you know. Um, to be honest, if anything, we should sound like. Uh, a, a Canadian band because as main influences really are like Gorguts yeah. yeah you know all those kind of like technical bands so well also indirectly indirectly there's some Voivod influence in there as well mhm oh, that's, what, that's what I'm saying really like Voivod's probably a, maybe the biggest influence yeah and that's you see that's and that's why I like your music. Simple as that, because I can, because I can, I I can like feed off that vod vibe, which is kind of like really, really rare. Well, for sure, for sure. Even even like the Outer Limits, like that album, oh. it's not strictly the the thrash stuff that we're we're super into, you know. Oh, the the Jack Luminous, what a fucking song! Oh, of course, of course. I mean, uh, yeah, I you're, you're absolutely right. You've you've because there's. Because everybody says what a what a great period of albums it was between you know Killing Technology, uh, Dimension Hatros, Nothing Face. Um, mm-hmm. After Nothing Face, Angel Rap was all right, but then they were yeah. absolute, but they were then absolutely bang on form on the Outer Limits. Yeah, and it's kind of cool because obviously, like music, kind of took a change as well as culture at that time. 
So a lot, a lot of these like thrash bands and metal bands were trying the sound that, you know, that kind of like, I don't want to say stadium rock, but it's kind of how it is. Yeah. But with Voivod, it's so sincere and just, yeah, this is just Voivod like coming out, you know, it sounds great. Yeah. I think I think the reason why um, The Outer Limits has, like, there seems to be so much sort of suspicion around that album is that for a VOD album, it's probably it's probably the cleanest production. Well, it's definitely the right. cleanest production they'd had up to that point. It was the most sort of mainstream production that they'd had at that point. And I think people sort of confuse that for it being a mainstream album. Because no, for sure. it, it it's it still contains all of the all of the weirdness. It's just it's it's an absolutely brilliant album. Um, and as I'm sure you're aware, when they went to tour that album, their tour, their two support bands were um, Soundgarden and Faith No More. Exactly. This was in like '93 as well, right? I can't remember the year on it, but it is it is early '90s, isn't it? It's '93, '94, something like that. Yeah. I've got the I've got the CD I've got the CD um in my in my cabinet but it's just that little bit too far to walk. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, I mean, we'll say it's ninety three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and and you being a drummer, then like, would you agree with me that Away is one of the most underrated drummers of any fucking genre of metal? For sure, for sure, for sure. Um. Even even as a punk drummer, I think he's underrated. Yeah, like no, the energy yeah. in the in the DB, especially on Killing Technology. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there we go. Right, right, mate. I'm just digging out the outer limits, so I can put it to rest. Uh, Ninety three. <laughs> Good shout. Ninety three. Ninety three. Spot. So on. I don't know what else was coming out around that time. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I don't really remember it being anything too great, at least in comparison to or limits. Yeah, but it it was a weird old time in music around sort of around that time though, because like you say, you know, they go on tour and they've got Soundgarden and Faith No More supporting them. And then we we were in that little era of this is a weird time, and then all of a sudden, within eighteen months, bands like Soundgarden and Faith No More would be selling shit tons of records and Voivod would be getting dropped. Mm-hmm. Um, How was that in the UK? Um, it, yeah, it was... I mean, I was kind of like... I was heading out of music by then. Well, I, I, was I really? No, to be honest, I was doing something with a band called Strange Thing in Newcastle. So it right. was still a bit thrashy, but we, but we also had a saxophone player. And um, nice. it was kind of well, yeah. It was kind of like Fishbone meets Primus. Um, it, it, and there's that um, Exodus album around the time that has that kind of vibe. Oh shit! Which one is that? Um, N- not Force of Habit. It's the one after Impact. It is Force of Habit, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you might be right. I know there's definitely one track on there that has like some horns player and I, I just remember hearing it for the first time and thinking like what the hell is going on here <laughs> well it's like when it's like when um, uh, when Sacred Reich put 31 flavours on the American way and it was like yeah mm-hmm. it's you know it's it's starting to seep in now <laughs> yeah 
and for a while there we did have a we you know we did have a sort of burgeoning funk metal scene in the UK um but it it never really it never really took off to be honest um that's cool and then um uh, and I don't yeah. know too much about like the UK thrash history I've got that book that contract in blood that book oh well you know you I ain't got my head you know all you need to know then if you've got that well, I think I'm, I'm put the time in to get through it, yeah, but... Right. Well, it's... Pretty good. Well, basically, it's the same thing that happened with with the American scene, which is... Um, uh, stop selling records, really. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, we all split. We, we announced we were splitting up. Sabbath announced they were splitting up the following week, and two weeks after that, Onslaught announced they'd split. Damn. You know, and it was just... When 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 you're part of a scene and the scene goes down, then you go down with it. You know, no, absolutely. And I mean, you look at the big four because they were all originators; they were able to keep going. But pretty much every other thrash band went into mothballs or packed up. You know, yeah. Well, to be fair, other than Metallica, I'd say the bands in the big four kind of. They still kind of like dipped a bit, I'd imagine. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. I mean, you know, though, you look at Anthrax's career. You know, there's years there where sure. you know, every every new album is on a new label, and um, I mean, to this day, I think Scott Ian struggles to get his head around where, like, who owns the music to some of those albums. Um, mm. And yeah, you know, it was struggling to survive. And that's why I've got a huge, always got a huge amount of respect for bands also like Sodom and like Creator, who who kept going through those years on a much smaller Absolutely. fan base. Absolutely. You know, so that's... Did the same thing happen to Testament as well? Well, Testament... Because I know they kind of kept going. Yeah, they did. And it's a weird one because the first album Gene plays on when he came back, that's not even supposed to be a Testament album. They all met up and they, they wrote that album as a, as w- under a different band name. And then it came to shopping it. And uh, and basically one label said, look, we'll give you X amount of money if you put it out under the name Testament. And it was such good money. They went, yeah, all right then. So... Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, you've got, you've got bands sort of trying to get away from... Uh, from that and do something different and getting pulled back to it and then you've got other bands just like you know plugging away hoping to uh, to make a living I mean this is why so many bands went into mothballs you know bands like Sacred Reich etc you know you know we everybody went into mothballs because there was just there was nothing doing I mean you know the the in the the genre almost sort of sort of turned its gun on itself there's a lot of people that say that you know death metal killed thrash but I think it's more a case of thrash just fucking committed suicide it choked to death on right. all on all of its songs about ooh don't commit suicide and ooh look after the planet because it's dying and it's just there was no evolution whatsoever everybody had a ballad on their album you know everybody had a song about mother earth and everybody's you know everybody's band started shifting less records and that was that and at the same time you had death metal coming up which was also not just staying as death metal. Death metal was coming up, but splintering into different genres as it grew itself. And that was fucking exciting. And Thrash, all of a sudden, within a few years of burning really brightly, Thrash was just basically 
just a bit fucking boring, really. That's, you know, I kind of like the thing. Oh, everything's all the stuff, really. I'm losing and you. It's coming for like. Oh, yeah, now you're back. Hey, all right, cool. Um, I was just saying that the, so like about the scene now, the, the diversity is already kind of there. Yeah. So, I, you know, I don't, obviously no one really saw what was coming with the metal scene back then, but there's always now going to be a, an audience for thrash and death metal music, hopefully. No, I, th- I think you're right. So that's, that's I think cool. you're right. I think you're right because it's the way that the way that heavy metal, you know, the tree of life has grown. You look at all the different roots and all the different genres, and the more you have, the more you are likely to proliferate the genres. You know, and and you basically, if you imagine the tree of metal, once upon a time it had you know it had two roots. It had heavy metal and it had thrash metal. Well, that's not, you know, that's not sustainable, and it wasn't. But now it's it's got so many roots with so many genres that um, I think you know it's it's guaranteed to to go on into the future and certainly um, genres like thrash, death, etc. You know all the main ones they're 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 here for life now. But like obviously, Gene Hogan, for instance, recently leaving Testament to go back and do. A new Dark Angel album after what thirty-one years? Yeah, and he's finally returning to doing another Dark Angel record, and that's that's awesome to me that he's that for Gene, thirty-one years later, he's been able to go. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to go back. You know. Yeah, no, it's it is awesome. I mean, he's uh, he's an awesome drummer. He's an awesome chap. I mean, we we toured with him in '89 on the um, Leave Scars tour. Um, I think I've seen footage of that one. Oh man, honestly, every night it was just they were awesome, absolutely. Is that is that the show? I know there's one uh, Acid Rain show. I think it's from maybe like Hammersmith in London or something. Ah uh, no, like, I know. Within, I... within like ten seconds of the set, you're like, "Whoa, why why are you not letting people stage dive?" Ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's the Hippodrome show. Um, but um, there's no, yeah, there's very few vids of us with um, uh, Dark Angel because it was all out in Europe. We we only did the European oh, right, dates. Cool. We didn't do the UK dates. Um, and um, but it but it, it was awesome, man. Absolutely awesome. And they were just like an incredible band. And I I mean mm-hmm. one of, for me one of the one of the lost thrash metal classics is Time Does Not Heal, which is just uh, a, yeah absolutely. It's a That's phenomenal a, um... album. Pain's Invention Madness. Fucking what? Yeah, that's that's like one of my favorite all out, maybe even my favorite like thrash album. That's not an obvious choice, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's an awesome choice, man, because that is just that album's brutal. The riffing on it, the even the lyrics are heavy. It's yeah, for real, and it's it's cool that um, Gene wrote a lot of it. Yeah. Like lyrically and the riffs and even, you know, obviously the drumming and stuff. And yeah. like, since then, I don't know if Gene has performed with a band where he's had as much freedom as he had on the album, you know, because he's always kind of working with or for someone. Yes. Yeah. And there's a big fan of like he's 
probably my favourite drummer. Um, to hear that album and be like, this is Gene Hoagland's creative, like, complete creative, like, effort. That's yeah. awesome, you know? Well, the thing with the thing with Gene as well is you know that um, you know he he's involved in Dark Angel songs from the ground up, so it's right. got his, yeah. it's got his influences all over it. Um, and I know, I mean, I've I've interviewed Gene loads while he's been in Testament when he's been doing the Death to All stuff, and 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 it's always good to catch up with him. And um, last time he was here with Testament. Um, I got the feeling that um, he was ready. He was ready to do something new. Now that's not, you know, that's not in any way. I'm not saying anything bad about Testament. Um, For I, sure. But I just got a kind of feeling off him that I was talking to him about. He seemed to have. Uh, you know more enthusiasm for things that weren't testament than testament but then again that can be a feature of actually being on the road with that band at that time you know what i mean absolutely but um he's always had his fingers in pies but i know going back and doing another dark angel album is really is really what they wanted to do because they still you know i know gene still feels like he was cheated out of doing a follow-up to time does not heal so this is this is something that they've been wanting to do for a long time no, awesome. That's like a man. I'm looking forward to that one quite a lot. Yeah, no, I am as I'm well. Also, like, like Dark Angel coming back is good for me because, like, that real aggressive death rush sound kind of. I know, like, Time Does Not Heal isn't necessarily as death rush as what death rush became, but I think it's a starting point, it's a foundation for that style. Like time does not heal, and um, demolition hammer, epidemic of violence. Those two records are so brutal. Well, it's funny you should mention that. And, it's funny you should mention that because um, I think it was twenty eighteen. Um, uh, I went to the Lord of the Lands where demolition, uh, Dark Angel were headlining, and demolition hammer were on the bill as well. Yeah, right. Right, I really wanted to go that bad. I, I can't remember why I didn't go. Did you know, is that the year Cannabis Corpse played, do you know? Um, no, it isn't, no. Um, All right, cool. But it was, um, I, it was, it was great. I mean, it was great to see the band again. I mean, I hadn't seen, I hadn't seen the other members. I mean, seen Gene quite a lot, but I hadn't seen the other members for 30 years. So, oh, absolutely. So it was, it was awesome to see those guys. And um and and I tell you what, still put in an absolutely cracking show as well. Um, right, I saw them at um, Bloodstock the year they got back together, and I think they came over. It was a, I think Gene played with Death to All at the same on the same day. Yeah, but seeing Dark Angel at Bloodstock was awesome. Yeah, man. Um, I mean, they're an awesome live band, and like you say, with an, with another album to come back as well. That is just very excited. Um, what about so? What about um, what about the new Violence track? A Violence, a band that you're you're aware of at all? Violence, obviously, yeah. But um, I haven't actually heard the new track yet. Right. So it's not. And so I'm pretty sure it's. I'm pretty sure it's on Metal Blade, right? Uh, it is. Yes. Yeah, I should probably check it out. Then I don't know if I'm. <laughs> I expected to. <laughs> yeah, I'll make. I'll, that's in my job description now. To, uh... <laughs> no worries. I'll, I definitely won't be tagging the label um, when I when I when I put <laughs> this one out. 
Oh man, well, look, cool. uh, I, look, man, I really appreciate your time, um, Ryan. It's really been good to have a chat, and um, and look, um, let's talk about let's talk about um, doing some shows together in the future as well. Thank you so much for your time. Stay in touch. Hey, you too, man. Will do. And with that, like thrash metal ships in the night. We were gone. We passed. And that was that. Um, they Cryptic have just toured as well. Um, and they're just staying busy. And I wish them the best of luck. Um, an original, a, a, a very original band, certainly from the UK, um, on first listen, you know, to, to, to my old ears, don't sound like a UK band at all. But um, top bunch of lads, played with them a few times. Great bunch of lads. And... Um, uh, you know, I I just wish him the best of luck flying the flag for British metal and Yorkshire metal as well. <laughs> um, so all it goes to say is thank you to my guest Ryan. Uh, thank you to you for listening, the listener. Hello, that's what your name is. You you know, so you have to you have to listen if you're called a listener. Um, and that's it. That is the end of another Talking Bollocks podcast. All that remains is to thank you for listening and obviously the usual reminders to get people to subscribe and share the podcast and all the rest of it. But you know what? I don't actually see anyone fucking doing that. Certainly not on social media. Um, you know, there's 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 the, the odd retweet here and there or like whatever, but... Um, Guys, really think you could step your game up on social media. I really do. Um, but if you and that's if you want to get involved with part of the conversation, you know, and and just have a laugh online. But then again, not everyone's thing, is it? I mean, just because you like a podcast doesn't mean you want to necessarily want to interact with it on social media. Um, and also, you, you might not have the time. I mean, you know, I seem to spend half my life online, so it's kind of natural but totally get it if it isn't for you so there you go i've managed to talk myself around from moaning that um people aren't doing enough online to then realizing that you should probably shut the fuck up howard because people have got better things to do (laughs) fair enough but anyway it's always a pleasure it is never a chore and there is more metal coming your way as always from these ear podcasts Hope you like them. I'm going to put a link to uh, the Reducer podcast in the description as well. Um, because, you know, maybe some of you like it, maybe some of you won't. I mean, the current episode is about football club ownership. So that might put you off. But then again, the previous um, episode was Top 10 Cunts. So there you go. You couldn't be more talking bollocks relevant. Well, not really, apart from the fact that I haven't said cunt on the podcast for quite a while. And having said cunt earlier... Um, although it was out of context because I was referring to Top 10 Cunts, the the podcast. But, yeah, so there you go. Cunt, cunt, cunt. Look after yourself. <laughs>